Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, it is the uh, Sunday in which we celebrate the joy that is ours in the gospel. And um, even though, you know, in, in a more traditional or more liturgical church, you're supposed to keep Jesus unborn yet, but we can't, we can't do it. We just got to continue to sing the fact that Christ is born and we celebrate the entire season. And so we um, also, we sing our hymns, we sing our Christmas carols because we can't sing them anywhere anymore. You know, the grocery stores, the department stores, they may have them muted on the PA system, but uh, where do we get to sing? Where do we get to actually proclaim the gospel through song? So, so that's why we do it. And we, we also add uh, one of the carols at the time of the doxology uh, after the offering. So there's a, a meaning behind all of this madness that we do here every Sunday morning. As we go to prayer, a few items to uh, call our attention to. I received a note up front. Kurt Vandermark and Marianne Arujo are engaged. This is wonderful, uh, a wonderful statement of joy. And I don't know who you are if you're here. <laughs> but, you know, we'll still pray for you. We, we, have, yeah, <laughs> we have new people coming all the time, and, and it's so good. And, and uh, one of the things I love about this church, oftentimes people who are here for the first time are the last out the door because of the warm reception that everyone here gives them. So just want um, Kurt and Marianne to know that we are, we are entering into their joy with them. Also, uh, Shlanta Butterfield, mother of Cecil and Keeve Nance, uh, has dementia and they have asked for prayers. And so we, we uh, join our prayers with, um, with Cecil and, and Keeve as well. And then I also received a, re, uh, a request, a young man, young father, named Brian Rowland. He was trapped, he was at the Ferrari store for some kind of a get together. He was trapped under the car elevator and has been at Lee Memorial Hospital um, ever since. And so uh, we are joining the entire community with our prayers on, on that situation. And um, also, as we know, in the Midwest and the South, particularly in Kentucky, this, this hurricane, pardon me, this uh, tornado has struck and at least, at least 100 people have died. And so that's a situation that, we, that carries with an unspeakable amount of tragedy and grief. And so we remember them also in our prayers. So with that, let's go to our Father together. Lord, there are times we, we, really, we really don't know how to pray. We don't know what to say. We don't even know what to think. Especially when we're encounter, we encounter such realities of life. A young husband and father who is seriously injured in a freak accident and is teetering 
on the edge of life. Lord, and we have yet to learn the full extent of the tragedies that have occurred because of the tornado that swept through a large swath of our country. Lord, we, we just don't know what to say. We don't know quite how to pray. We do know, O oh Lord, that your Son, our Savior, can still the wind and the waves. And we ask, O oh Lord, that that, that that power might still the hearts at such a time as this of those who've lost loved ones or who are suffering or are in a place of, of grave danger. Lord God, that's about all we can do. It's all we can muster. We bring our, our hearts before you, our prayers before you. This life we don't understand. We live it every day, we think we get it, and then, and then we don't. Lord, may, may such circumstances and such occasions as, as this be an occasion for not the destruction, but the upbuilding of our faith. May we see your grace, your redemptive love, go into those places where it is needed most. And Father, may, may our hearts rejoice with those who rejoice and break with those whose hearts are broken. Father, we, we also pray for our people who are alone, people who may go days, if not weeks, without the tenderness of human touch. Lord, as we, we hope we are on the far side of this pandemic, this pandemic has already worsened the, the pandemic of loneliness in our nation. And so, Lord, may, may we be alert to opportunities to be available, to be loving, to show forth a love through a smile, through a touch, through a, a, a lighthearted word, whatever it takes that we might, in what ways that you might move us, reach across the chasm that, that reaches a person who is isolated in loneliness. And we don't know who they are. We just know, oh Lord, that many people are, are broken, many are hurting. So use us, Father. Make us your very body. And through our hands, touch others. Through our joy, enliven others. And we also continue to pray, Lord, for, for our nation coming off some bad news this week about inflation. Perhaps we can handle it just fine. But what about those who can't? What about those who are already on the edge financially? Lord God, we, we pray that for all of the, the stuff that goes on in Washington, for all of the disagreements, for all of the fighting, for all of the maneuvering and politicking, Lord God, that somehow through it all, your will would be done and that the least of our brothers and sisters might be attended to and that whatever agenda others have for political outcomes, that that might be mitigated by love and concern 
for the least of our brothers and sisters. So Father, we ask that our prayers, however meager, however faltering they may be, may be before you on the throne of grace, commingled with your will and poured out upon the earth. We pray this even as we pray as your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our dear sister Sonia, I guess, is having a rough time. So I'm glad she's attended to. We, uh, we attend to one another in so many ways. And out of our love for God and our love for one another, we bring to our, our Savior the tithes and offerings of our lives. <coughs>
Father, through the ministrations of your word, fit us, O Lord, for heaven. And if rightly fit for heaven, we are better equipped for this life. We ask this, O Lord, in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ. Amen. So, first, from the prophet Isaiah. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then from the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel, the angel, appeared and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what this angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he'll be called the Son of God. What's more, your, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house 
and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a loud, glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that my, the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. God had his understanding to this hearing of his word. So we have a rather stunning contrast here. And that is the experience of Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, and the experience of Mary. So Zechariah got to be the, the presiding person over the sacrifice in the temple. It was very rare for a person to do this, and sometimes only once in a lifetime could someone do this. So he goes into the temple, and he's, he's doing the sacrifice, and the angel comes to him and tells him, Zechariah, your, your, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby. And he argues with the, the angel. <clears throat> I'm old, she's old, we've tried for years, nothing ever happened. And also, why are you bothering me here? I'm busy. I'm doing this religious thing that I'm supposed to do. I only get one chance in a lifetime to do this, and here you come in and tell me this kind of thing. Now, the Bible doesn't say all of that. <laughs> but the Bible does say that the angel said to Zechariah, okay, you're not going to even talk again until this happens. Zip it until that baby is born. So Zechariah was doing, and he was all about the necessary requirements of religion. He was doing what he needed to do, and here the reality of God breaks in on a religious rite, and it's an interruption. This isn't in the Book of Order. This isn't in the, the bylaws of, of the temple. This is out of line, out of order. So Zechariah gets, gets to be quiet for several months until the baby's born. And he, he goes home and, and presumably he and his wife Elizabeth just return to life as normal. <laughs> and then, honey, I'm not feeling well this morning. And, and they find out that Elizabeth is pregnant after all these years. She's pregnant. And, of course, Zechariah can't say anything. He just has to hear it and has to listen to it. And he has to, he sees the joy and perhaps some anguish and fear in the face of his wife, but so be it. Life goes on, and now his wife is pregnant. Now that's down in the hill country of Judea, south of Jerusalem, 
Up north in Nazareth, we have this story of a woman, a young woman in her mid-teens, Mary. And the same angel goes to her. And, and she doesn't argue with the angel. She does say, how on earth can this be? How can this be? I'm, I've never been with a man. And the angel gives her the assurances that this will be by the Holy Spirit. Come upon you, overshadow you, embrace you, move upon your heart. But the Spirit of God will bring this conception about, which is what the Spirit of God does in every human heart, conceives Christ in every human heart. So the very first time it happened, but this time it was the actual, real, physical reality of being made pregnant by the intervention of the Holy Spirit. And Mary simply says, Lord, let it be. Whatever, whatever it is that it needs to be, it'll be. And you know the story after that, and that is that Joseph hears about this. He wants to divorce her. He's sad, and, and he's... Well, he wants to do the right thing and everything else, but, but he's, he's kind of broken by this. And somewhere in the midst of all of this, Mary decides that she's going to go down to see her, the scripture says a near kinswoman, an aunt, a cousin, we don't really even know quite what it means, but goes down to see her. And, and when she does, and Mary, Elizabeth is now six months pregnant, so, so she's showing. And so Mary comes in, and, and, and Elizabeth sees her and hears her voice, and the, the, baby, the baby John, John the, who would become John the Baptist, you know, kicks her in the rib. <laughs> there's, there is joy that erupts. There's great joy, and she, she cries out to Mary. And she knows that the two of them are going to both of them have a baby, and somehow, somehow the Spirit of God has been active in this in a way that was palpably real to both of them. One because one was old, the other one because she was a virgin. And here they are both pregnant, and they're so happy. They embrace one another. They, they laugh, and it's full of joy. Now, the contrast is Nazareth, where Mary was subject, as was Joseph, to all kinds of suspicions. Well, this is so inappropriate. And so they had to kind of figure this out. Joseph, of course, decides to take her as his wife, he bears the, the stares, he bears the comments. He sees conversations change when he walks up. And that's what's going on in Nazareth. It's all about that which is so appropriate and so inappropriate. But that, then down in the hill country of Judea, it's just laughter, and joy, hilarity. It's just 
Stupid fun. G.K. Chesterton says, Joy, which is the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. The great, the great secret of the Christian. And when we think about it, wherever there is faith, wherever there is belief, there is hilarity. When people actually experience the reality of faith and there, there's, there's laughter, there's fun, there's gaiety. Where there is faith, there is hilarity. And along with that hilarity is probably some, some kind of raucous behavior. Because people are happy. The contrast that Chesterton is pulling out is the contrast of people in bars and that sort of thing who have to juice themselves up and then they, they lose their inhibitions and then they, they have this, this um, small, what he calls the small publicity of joy. Whereas the people of God, when they know the reality of their faith, before they make that faith religious, and when they make that faith religious, all of a sudden we get into the rules and regulations and how to do things right, how to do things wrong. We come up with doctrines and all that stuff that define people out rather than embracing people on their way in, no matter what. Then, then all of a sudden religion gets very serious and, and the religion becomes more of a it becomes, it becomes bigger than the faith itself. And then people come to church and they wonder if they even believe. But they've always gone to church. And they're supposed to be quiet in church. They're supposed to not do this and do that in church. The strictures, the structures of religion. But the Christian faith, the faith is not a religion. It is a vibrant, vital, joyous relationship with God who reveals himself to us. Maybe it's through an angel. Maybe it's through a friend. But the faith, the vibrant, burning center of all of Christianity, of all of this faith, is relationship with God. And that's what those two women celebrate. They celebrate with joy that God has touched their lives and, and given something that they never expected. And they're just happy. They're full of excitement and full of joy. And, and that's, that reflects the reality of faith in their lives. You know, why is it that you can go to so many churches and people can be so serious one of the things I love about our church, nobody here is serious. <laughs> In fact, before church starts, we have to try to get people to settle down a little bit. I love that here. Other churches, you'd think half the people had gallstones or something. Like that. It's just, I, the joy of the faith. It's, you know, we let, we. We lit the pink, the pink candle. That's the joy candle. The joy of the faith is to animate our lives. It's the joy of the faith that is to give rise to the, the 
the hilarity of life, even the recklessness of life. You know, when a baby's born, inside two months, that little boy or little girl is smiling. And inside four months, <laughs> well, you know how this is, they're laughing. And, and it is so fun. They laugh, and that laughter, that joy, all it does is it, it just, it, it impacts everyone around. And, and so everyone wants to <laughs> look and, and hold and, and play and, and tickle and do all of those fun things. When, when our little ones come fresh from the hand of God to us, the earliest expressions, apart from when they need something, like to be changed or they're hungry or something like that, the earliest expressions that are sort of unprovoked are expressions of joy, smiling, laughing, just because. And, and in all of that, we have this deep and profound sense that with with faith comes the hilarity of joy, comes laughter. So I was a sophomore in high school, and I went to a winter camp up at Forest Home in Southern California. And I didn't know about Young Life. I didn't know anything about it at all, really. And, but I, I went, and I was expecting this <clears throat> religious camp to be kind of like church. And I was so glad that it wasn't. Because <clears throat> my Presbyterian church at home was, well, I felt like such a radical because I would go to church wearing shorts and a cut-off sweatshirt and just to show how, how hep I was and all that kind of thing. Well, so I went up to this camp and and it was absolutely hilarious. It was so fun. I laughed so hard. I enjoyed the time with such vigor that I couldn't believe when it was all over with. And I thought, now that's what the gospel's about. The gospel is the good news associated with the hilarity of people who believe. And we can laugh as these women laughed. We can laugh at the things to come. We can, we can trust our God that no matter what it is we face, even if our lives are taken by it, we can know that we are we are in his hands, and when received by him, all of, all of heaven breaks forth in praise. The faith, the faith that is ours in Christ, the gift that is given to us is the gift of hilarious joy with which we spread the good news to one another and the rest of the world. You join me in prayer.
And thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son that we may have life and have it abundantly, life that is characterized by faith, and therefore even have it with hilarity. We thank you, O Lord, for the gift that you have given to us and ask that we might be adequate stewards of the joy that is our trust. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.